Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Armet. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today we wanted to kind of, I guess, go back to basics a little bit. And I was starting to think of some of the fundamental parts of being an app developer. And one of the most essential, uh, probably in some ways the most the most essential in terms of distribution, um, the part of part of development is iTunes Connect, and I thought it'd be kind of interesting to just spend a week kind of just talking through the various parts of iTunes Connect, um, and specifically just kind of the places that we, uh, the, you know, the ways in which we actually use it in a, on a on a daily or ongoing basis, because um, I think there's a lot of in, like little corners and things inside of iTunes Connect that things that I probably just take for granted having done this for so long, um, but could hopefully be useful or interesting, um, more generally. And so, you know, if you're, um, if, if you're playing along at home and want to open up iTunes connect and follow along, you can probably do that. But, um, at a high level, you know, we're just kind of walk through the various sections because I think that's, you know, when you open up iTunes connect, you get this little like launch bar, um, launch pad, launch pad. There we go. It's like the, the, whatever that Mac thing is where you get all the icon screen, um, to, to launch icons and we have you know there's the help and agreements and users payments sales app, analytics and my apps um, and i think we'll just kind of go through there but i guess we can start with uh, resources and help um do you ever go to resources and help marco uh only if i actually need to file some kind of trouble ticket like and this is very rare this might happen like once a year where you know some like a test flight build will get stuck or you know something like when when uh, i launched subscriptions the app was approved but the subscription wasn't like the in-app purchase wasn't approved even though it was tied to it and it's like basically whenever there's what appears to be a bug in itunes connect i would i will go there um i used to have to go there on the rare occasion that i would file uh expedited review requests but i haven't filed one of those since we got fast reviews uh, in the last year because i haven't needed to yeah, and I think that's basically the same experience that I have. Like, and I will actually say, iTunes Connect, uh, like customer support, is typically pretty responsive and good. Um, you know, it, it, if there are these weird issues or bugs and problems, like I've had things where it seems like it's you know been stuck in processing for the App Store for longer than it should or whatever, and I reach out and I mean, who knows if they're actually the ones changing it? But it seems like it, you know, things things get resolved fairly well and. If you're starting out, there is a tremendous amount of help documentation and videos and screencasts and things in there. So there's videos. Like, yeah, they do. They have all kinds of stuff about how to use iTunes Connect. Like it's a pretty d- good thing, I imagine, if you're starting out. Um, um, and you know, it's and I think some of it's also there's a there's a lot of good content that's come out of WWDC sessions because um, there's usually like an iTunes Connect related track um, or section of talks that are probably good to talk to as well. Man, where do you find the time to be such a good student of everything? I'm not a very, well, I haven't said it. Just <laughs> knowing that the videos exist is very different than actually having watched them all. Still, like I I have I have hardly poked around these areas at all because, you know, most of the time there's a million other things that I want to do besides navigate iTunes Connect for fun. Uh, maybe maybe I just need a hobby. Um maybe anyway. maybe, maybe we found your hobby. Yeah, my hobby <laughs> is going is looking around at documentation. Um <laughs> Anyway, moving on. The next one is agreements, tax, and banking. 
um, which for me, this is the place that I go. It seems like, I don't know, every three or four months and have to click a bunch of, I agree buttons, Mm -hmm. um, to just say that, yes, I, I, whatever the new terms are, like I, it's probably not a great thing, but I never really understand what the changes are or like what's going on. Cause it's one of those, whatever they are, I need to accept them because if I don't accept them, I don't have any apps. And if I don't have any apps, I don't have any business. So, you know, it's a, I, I, I'm very much, uh, Lando Calrissian in this situation. Like I can't really, <laughs> there's nothing that I can do to change the deal. So I just hope it doesn't change any further. Yeah, that's I. I have. I, I don't think I've ever actually read the terms as they change because you know same same boat. It's like, well, we don't really have a choice in whether we accept these terms or not. Either we accept the terms or we don't do business here anymore. <laughs> so it's like, you know, wh- whatever they say, I'm going to have to say yes. So why spend any time actually reading them? And, and if there's anything incredibly obscene in there. Other people will find it and will be tweeting about it and blogging about it and stuff. So I don't actually like, you know, it's kind of selfish, but I don't need to spend my time looking at that because I know that A, I don't really have any choice and B, other people will look at it to find anything outrageous. Yeah. And then I think otherwise, I mean, it's it's funny. I was thinking when I was preparing for this episode, I was looking around and it's like, I've, you know, this is where you put in your banking information and your tax ID information and all these things that, you know, for most of these, I set up for my original, you know, when I first created my developer account eight years ago and have never changed. Uh, but, you know, there's all this stuff in there that um, I imagine is relevant when you're first getting set up. That's where you go to tell them what your employer identification number is. That's where you go and tell them, you know, where to direct deposit your uh, proceeds in and, you know, so on. Oh, yeah. And and I will say, too, like th- this area in particular, I mean, and this applies honestly to all of iTunes Connect, but it is way better than it used to be. Yeah. Like like when I like when I first set up my very first developer account back in 2008, uh, things were very different than when I set up Full City for the magazine um, in whenever that was 2011 or something 12 I don't know something like that, uh, and then even between then and when I set up Overcast a couple years later, it was even dramatically better then, and I haven't set one up since then, but I imagine it's like. It's so much of this used to be so much worse and more cumbersome than it is now. Even stuff like, um, do they still do the Dun and Bradstreet requirement, the Duns number? I believe so. Even that, like I had to do that twice. Uh, you know, once for Instapaper and once for Overcast. I don't think I ever even did it for Full City. Um, but even that, like the when I first had to do it, I had to actually like go and manually register with Dun and Bradstreet, which, by the way is a massive scam company like it is you're, you're better off basically whenever whenever you have to deal with dun and bradstreet for anything the correct answer is hang up the phone like that is the yeah. that is always the right option because they'll call you and tell you things like this is about your business credit report it's really important that you complete this and that's all a scam just so you know you don't have to do any of that the correct answer is you get your stupid duns number if you need it for apple and you do nothing else with them ever anyway between the first time and second time i had to use them apple basically created a whole like automated form to register yourself with them through itunes connect i assumed something like that is probably still there and it was so so much easier that way than it was when i had to do it the first time and so all this stuff is getting way way better over time and moral of the story do not do anything you don't have to do with dun and bradstreet and if they call you hang up yep exactly right uh try and avoid them as much as possible but um, and it's probably worth pointing out along those lines when you, if you were setting up a new app or a new company you know, as a new company, um, it's worth t- pointing out that a lot of this stuff does actually probably take 
a couple weeks yeah potentially to get done and so if you're launching a new app and you like have a particular date or event or thing that you have in mind um you may just need to start that before the app is ready and finished just to make sure that it's actually gone through in process because i remember i think for feed wrangler i set it up and it's like i wanted to launch sooner but then it ended up, you know, it took a week for Dun & Bradstreet or somebody, some some part of this process to <laughs> yeah. to, do, to, to happen. Um, and there was nothing I could do. And so just it's probably good to ha- keep that in mind um, that you may need to, to get this all set up. Because I think you can submit an app before it's all ready, but you won't be able to actually appear on the App Store um, until you know, all your, your ent- business entity is all nice and happy with Apple. Yeah. The next uh, section is the users and roles section, which... Um, as an independent, initially, I would probably have thought, like, I don't really have anything to do there. Like, there's just me. Um, but it turns out I actually have spent a fair bit of time in here, and it's fairly useful. Um, so, for example, the, the three kind of users that you can set up in iTunes Connect are, like, access users, or I think call them iTunes Connect users, um, which is really useful if you are ever integrating any external service with your iTunes Connect account. Um, so if you use App Figures or App Annie or any of the... Um, like sales importing tools and things like that. Um, I would highly recommend setting up a separate uh, Apple ID that whose sole purpose is accessing those reports, and you can you know set the permissions for that user so that all they could do with that with that access is um, you know download sales reports. And so you're not you know if someone else you know if if somehow your login information was compromised at App Figures or some you know somewhere externally. Um, all someone could do is know, you know, what your download numbers were. They couldn't go in and delete your app or, um, you know, close your developer account or anything like that. So definitely an important thing to do. And that's a um, real thing, by the way. Like a, a few years ago, one of those big services, it, it wasn't App Figures. I think it might have been App Annie, was compromised. And they did lose all, like, they, they compromised everybody's passwords who were allowed, who were signed up with that service. And a lot of us had to go reset Apple ID stuff because of that. And I, fortunately I, I had done the correct thing and had the, you know, the only sales and marketing user in there, but heard from a lot of people who didn't. And this was, this was a few years ago now, but it's something that you should always keep in mind. Like, you know, the, if you have to give your iTunes connect login to some other service to do some useful thing for you, make sure it's not your main one and make sure it can't do anything useful. Yeah, especially because the authentication for all of those, I believe require them to store your password um directly because it's not like you know it's not some like oauth panel or something where you authorize it um it, you'll actually have to give them the password and they have to store it somewhere because they need to then provide it to itunes connect um so like doubly so just go in there and set up a user account honestly i've been tempted and i just never actually have gone through the process of doing this of actually setting up um you know like different logins for myself even um you know so that i have a like an you know an apps one that i go in for when i'm you know submitting apps and i have one that's a different one for maybe when i'm doing other kind of work just to kind of partition that a little bit um that's probably a bit unnecessary but i've definitely it's something that i think about that you know your itunes connect main user is a very powerful and important thing for your business um so be very thoughtful and careful with how you deal with that yeah and then you can set up um, test flight beta tester and uh, groups and manage users in here. Um, I tend to mostly just manage this on the apps side of things, which we'll get to in a minute, where you can set up test flight builds for a specific app. But 
Um, I imagine if, you know, it's, this is the place where you can set up, you know, different testing groups or tiers and things. Um, I've never really gotten into there. And then the last thing you can set up here are sandbox testers, um, which is like the, just a pool of infinite sadness because <laughs> the only reason you have to set these up is when you're trying to test like foreign currency in-app purchase p- stuff. Or just testing yeah. in-app purchases at all, right? Well, so so I tend to test in-app purchases. On, like the honest answer for how I test in-app purchases now is I create a test flight build, uh, add myself to it, and then just do the in-app purchase in there. It's <laughs> so much easier. In, I don't know why this doesn't apply to development builds too, but like test flight builds just do the obvious thing. They let all the purchases happen as though you're purchasing them, but then they don't actually cost money. And like, that's great. You know, I wish there was a little developer, you know, like in the settings app on your iPhone, there's a little developer area once you've enabled development for a phone where you can change a bunch of, you know, preferences and and things there like i wish i could just go in there and say you know what's my uh local currency for purchases and like reset purchases or restore purchases like set things up there but until then we have this sandbox testing place where for certain kinds of testing where you are trying to set up something because you can you know you need if you need to set up a user as though they're you know swiss this is the place that you can go and uh, configure all that stuff but chf is very wide takes yes. up a lot of space. It will fill your table cells. Yeah. And so it's one of those things that um, if you need to do that kind of stuff, this is where you have to go and do it. But I have great sympathy for you because every time I've had to open up that section of iTunes Connect, it just makes me sad because it's so complicated and you have to un- log out on your phone. And when you log out, you know, out of your nor- out of whatever, you were sitting there like logging in and out of Apple IDs on your phone. Oh, no. This, this is one thing where I can say like, you know, we've talked in the past about how, like, having separate development devices, having a whole lot of extra development devices really isn't that necessary most of the time. Yeah. One thing, one area I would say it is absolutely the right idea is when you're doing in-app purchase testing. My rule is I never, ever, ever will sign into a sandbox account on my main phone because that only leads to problems where, like, sometimes for the next three weeks you'll just get random password dialogue saying environment sandbox asking you to re-enter your store password no matter what you've done. And it's like... It it is so buggy and annoying to have those random, you know, store authorization dialogues cropping up all over the place for weeks or months or years afterwards. Uh, so that's one thing. Like, keep sandbox testing away from your main phone. Yeah, and the nice thing too about using it on a developer phone is, like, even if you just do it on a, a development phone, you still will sometimes have these crazy cyclical errors or issues with as you if you switch between multiple sandbox users. And the nice thing about a developer phone is if, if everything starts to fall apart, you can just like complete, like hard reset the device, like blank all the data out and start again. Um, and that's a great, I mean, it's not usually a viable solution for getting around iTunes uh, password prompts to just like reset your phone. But with a developer phone, at least it, you, you can actually do that and it's a viable solution. We are sponsored this week by Pingdom. Start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com slash radar. You get a 14-day free trial, and if you enter offer code radar at checkout, you get 20% off your first invoice. Pingdom is an amazing monitoring service. David uses it. I use it. I have used it since long before any of you knew who I was. 
since long before Instapaper existed. I, we were using this at Tumblr since I think 2007 or 2008 at the, at the latest. We've been using this for a very long time. I use it for everything since then, and I absolutely love Pingdom. So here's what it is. It's a monitoring service. It's a really well-done monitoring service. So if you have a website or a server, anything online that can be checked at a URL, and they could test for things like response time, whether a certain string or regex appears on the page, they can send cookies, they can test logins, stuff like that. If any of those tests fail, they can alert you in all sorts of customizable, wonderful ways. Text message, email, app push notifications, all sorts of stuff with amazing conditions and things you can set and all these different criteria. It can be very simple if you want it to be. And if you want to scale it up to like the needs of an, of an enterprise organization, it can do that too. I'm a huge fan of Pingdom. They can't pay me to say that. I'm saying that just myself. I'm not reading any of the script right now. I'm a huge fan of Pingdom. It is great. You can use it for not only checking your own site and your own service, but you can even use it to test other people's pages. Like you can have an alert show up whenever like the WWDC page changes or, you know, whenever like underscore releases a new app on his apps page. You can have these things change and be immediately notified. It's wonderful. So check out pingdom.com slash radar. If you need to monitor anything, if you're on any kind of service, you need to know when it goes down, and you should be the first to know. So Pingdom can give you that at pingdom.com slash radar. You get a 14-day free trial, and use code radar at checkout to get 20% off your first invoice. Thank you very much to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. So the next area, um, we start to get into the kind of the money side of iTunes Connect, um, because there's things that are related to the app, and then the things that are related to getting paid. Um, and the payments and financial area is, it took me a while when I was first starting out to, to realize why Apple sort of splits this out. So, cause there's payments and financial and then there's sales and trends. And as best I can understand, like the payments and financial reports area is the kind of actually reconciled, like final transaction part of this, where at the end of every month or financial month, cause financial months aren't real months, um, you you know apple will bundle up all of your sales all your proceeds for the month and you know write you a check direct deposit um that money into your account and the payments and financial reports part is where you see that kind of rolled up finalized data um that's also where you get details about currency conversion stuff because obviously if a foreign if you sell an app in a foreign country the exchange rate where you ultimately get that will vary depending on you know, the, the time of the month it is. And so this is where that final conversion will happen and you'll get a consolidated number. It's also where you get to know when they're going to pay you, um, which is thankfully less less vital now as it was when I was first starting off with the app stuff where like knowing the actual exact day when the payment was going to come in was very helpful for timing and pl- planning cash flow and stuff like that. When things are a bit tight, it can be really helpful. And so this will tell you that. Um, and also uh, this is where I go um, if I have any kind of revenue share deal with an app or something where, you know, it's perhaps not crazy, it's not crazy uncommon to say, go into something with someone else and have some kind of, you know, revenue share agreement. Um, you'll be basing those on the numbers you get out of the payments and financial reports tab. Like don't base it on the sales and trends tab. Um, that kind of stuff is, will, will never reconcile correctly with what you're actually getting in your bank account. And so fi- payments and financial reports is where you go to actually, you know, get the, the number that you could use um, to do base any kind of actual financial uh, distribution from. Yeah, that's, I, I would definitely echo that if whenever you're doing any kind of revenue share thing, like 
I've I've always structured whenever I've had to do something like that. I've always structured it as you know you or I get X percentage of what Apple actually deposits into the bank account. Like everything else is like this is all like guidelines, but like we actually calculate the number based on what Apple deposits. Whatever number that is, then you take a, you take X percent of that, and it makes things a lot easier. Yeah, because otherwise, because this is getting into the next area, the sales and trends area. Like this is the place that you'll actually probably spend most of your time. Like. Honestly, on a weekly basis, I probably go into here far more than almost any other place in iTunes Connect because this is where you can see um, your sort of your your real time sales data, and it's real time as of yesterday, essentially. Um, and you can get all kinds of you know, this is your daily sales. You can splice slice the data over a lot of different um, like perspectives, and so you can look at it by country or by app, uh, by date. Um, honestly for me i do most of my actual like my tactical analysis of my sales i do using the um i think it's called the auto ingest api there's an api that app itunes connect provides where you can download your daily sales reports on a um in an automated fashion i think we've talked about this before where like i have these you know this crazy spaghetti of script that takes in those things and processes them in ways that i care about and then um, I end up with a spreadsheet at the end, and that's how I do a lot of that. But what I love in the sales and trends area is that it has the sales data for all of my apps since I created my developer account. Um, so for me, that's eight years or something like that um, of data in there, which is just really useful for every now and then I'm trying to like look for, you know, trying to understand an app's history or I'm writing a blog post about something, um, or I'm just curious and like seeing, the, you know, being able to zoom out and kind of get a better perspective. Um, that's an area, something that I, I, as even though the sales and trends data is so focused on like what happened yesterday, um, in a weird way, I find it most useful to just zoom out and really get these broad perspectives of like, what did the last two years of this app's uh, life look like? And, you know, try and use that to inform the decisions I make. For whatever it's worth, I actually almost never use the iTunes Connect sales and trends area. I, I'm a, I've been a user of app figures forever and, uh, and I, I'm very happy just letting them do it. I find that it's, that they their interface of presenting things is um, just easier for me to get around, easier for me to find what I need, and I really appreciate their daily emails. Like I've been like the the app figures daily email of like here's how much you sold yesterday. Like that is that that is basically my barometer of how I'm doing in in my business. I've done it since the early days of Instapaper and. It it, w- it it really tells me because I, I start to learn like what what do I expect a da- a day to look like and I I just always have this idea of like what have sales been around recently and so like every month when when it's time to like get that monthly deposit or or do numbers for the month I'm usually not really surprised by any part of it because every morning I've been getting an email saying how much I sold the day before and so I already and I know roughly what that means relative to like. You know, how am I doing this month? Is this is this an up period? Is this a down period? You know, is this going in the right direction or do I need to make changes? So I actually hardly ever use uh, iTunes Connect directly for that. Yeah. Whereas it's just a question of uh, of preference for something like that. Like I've never, I've tried a couple of services like that. Like I've tried App Figures. I think they used to have... Uh, that's the kind of one I tried before that, but like for me, it's it's never quite stuck. I tend to it's like I either go full custom in the like I have my crazy scripts pulling stuff in and processing it, or I go 
entirely just using their stuff. And that works for me. But I, I know one thing I will say is you can get a similar email from iTunes Connect uh, on a weekly basis. That's one of the notifications you can set up um, where they'll send you an information like that. So if that's something that sounds interesting, um, but you don't want to sign up for a service like AppFigures, you can just uh, set iTunes Connect to do that, and you'll get it on a weekly basis, um, which in some ways is useful because a lot of apps have daily have like a, a weekly seasonality to them. Um, like I know a lot of my apps do better on the weekend rather than during the week. Um, so it's, it's usually helpful to just see it on a, a rolled up basis like that. The next area is um, the app analytics area, which is a pretty complicated and sophisticated thing. And we've talked about a lot of the things in it, um, you know, over time, but I feel like this is just a fun place to, I don't know, maybe, I mean, I know I'm a bit of a number file to like, I just love this kind of thing, but I, you can just go in there and dig around and try and understand what's going on with your applications. You know, this is like a lot of the, the main reason I'll go into here is I want to take a look at, for example, how what is my conversion rate from someone seeing my app store page to downloading the app? Um, is that, you know, and how do they compare app to app? Because um, there's, you know, there's definitely going to be a difference between a free app and a paid app, for example. But I have a couple of free apps. And so I look at those and I say, why, you know, to start to think, you know, this app has a 20% better conversion rate, um, and compared to this other one, like, why would that be? And then use that information to try and, you know, make tweaks to my screenshots, to my description, or just in general, think about what's going on there. Um, it's, and the reality is like app analytics, this particular type of app analytics, it's really app store analytics is the place where it's really valuable because a lot of the data in here is not available anywhere else. Like there is no other place that we can go to get, um, the number of impressions that our app re- received in the app store. Um, you know, they do other stuff too. They do kind of the in-app stuff where like the retention values and number of sessions and, you know, that kind of stuff that you could theoretically do in a third party thing like fabric or roll yourself. Um, but it, you know, the actual app store optimization stuff is, you know, in this area and it's the only place we can get it. And so it's definitely worth your time to dig around a little bit and just, you know, try and understand what's happening in the app store because usually that's uh, otherwise is a complete black box. Yeah, I mean, and and some of the things in there are things that you can't like metrics that you can't get any other way. So things like how many views your product page gets and stuff like that, like the and the conversions from there, like that. You know, you can you can measure a lot of this stuff yourself in your own in-app analytics, but some of the data like that you just can't get outside of Apple. So it is nice for that. Um, and it, this is one area too where there have been many substantial improvements over even the last six months. Like this is, this area is getting better quickly and it's, it used to be non-existent and, and now it's, it's getting, getting good quickly. So I'm happy with analytics. Yeah. And, and, and I will say it, it's an area that I, that Apple seems to be investing into, which I really much, I very much appreciate too, that yeah. it did. Like you said, it is getting better and it's just, I love that it allows me to make more informed decisions um, you know, like when I was recently looking at localizing, uh, I think it was Workouts Plus Plus, I was l- looking at, you know, it's like I was trying to guess how would I, w- which countries I should localize into. And like analytics has some really great information about, you know, what what's not, not just my sales, because my sales data by country is very heavily skewed to the apps, you know, the countries where it's localized into. And they, it has to have been a successful purchase. Whereas I can look at the people, you know, what countries are people looking at the page, but then not completing. 
And that's a good indication, for example, of like a place that I might want to look to localizing my app store description or my screenshots. Um, it's like that kind of information is just incredibly valuable and only available in here. Uh, and the last area, and this is an area that I mean, we'll probably end up doing a, a whole episode about, um, is the actual apps area. And, you know, this is where you can go in and you do all of the actual, you said, you know, when you want to submit a new app uh, or an update to an app, you go in and enter the information in here. This is where you get, this is you know one of my favorite buttons in the whole, all of iTunes connect where you can push the new app button, um, <laughs> which, which is awesome. You know, it's, I love pushing that button. It's uh, it's, it's always give, gives me a thrill to do. I mean, you are the best person in the world at pushing that button. I have done it many, many times. Um, so I love that part of this, about this area. And, um, so I'm trying to think, I was trying, I was trying to think of things in here that you may not be aware of. Um, there's a great section where it shows you the history of an app. Um, so where you can actually go through and see, you know, the, for each version that's been approved in the app store, the dates for that. Um, I mean, maybe that's not that useful. It's like, it's not tactically useful, but I've, I, there've been times when I've wanted to go back and reference that. Um, and it's nice that iTunes connect exposes that to you. Um, and you can, you know, you can see, for example, when it went in review and then when it was approved. And so if you're kind of curious to look at the change of that time over time, like there is a place to do that. Um, and this is also the place where you'll go to do things like promo codes or in-app purchases, um, changing the price, test flight stuff. Um, and then now this is where you'll go if you want to respond to reviews. Um, you know, but this is the, it's, it's in some ways it's like the least iTunes connecty part of this because so much of iTunes Connect seems to be focused on kind of the business and marketing side of things, and this you know much of the app side of it is feels feels a bit more like Xcode to me, where it's it's really just detailed about a specific app um, and the development process for that app. So why don't we make that next week? We'll make that a part two, which is the actual app section of iTunes Connect. Sounds sounds good. All right. Well, tune in everybody next week because we're out of time this week for iTunes Connect Part Two. Electric Bugalo? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.